Well, good evening, everybody. Um, it is good to be with you uh, as part of our Disrupted series. And just a quick question. Has anyone experienced any disruption so far in 2020? thought so. Yeah, we've experienced some ourselves, and it's amazing how that can come uh, early in the year. Um, one of the first um, fights my wife and I had as a married couple, we had gotten married. We lived in um, Eugene, Oregon. I was going to school, not the big, huge school. I was going to a little teeny school of like 200 students. You've never heard of it, but it was a Sunday, and we were driving back from church, and we came to the intersection uh, where we were supposed to go left to go back to married student housing. And you remember this, Candy, I'm sure you do. And I, all of a sudden, at the last minute, took a right turn. And I went into the Albertsons parking lot where there was a Carl's Jr. Yes, you, you know the rest of the story. No, maybe you don't. <laughs> so all of a sudden, we found ourselves in the Carl's Jr. My wife, he said, what are we doing? We're supposed to be going home. I'm like, no, we're going to eat at Carl's Jr. It's like, but we can't afford it. And I was like, but it's Sunday. And she's like, but there's no money in the bank. I'm like, but God will provide. You know, and I'm starting to quote Hebrew, you know, Jehovah Jireh. You know, don't you have any faith, woman? And that kind of thing. Anyway, long story short, we ended up eating there. But it probably was mixed with indigestion because of the angst of going back and forth. Because Cammie and her family, um, they would go home on Sundays and eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and have chicken noodle soup out of the can, right? And it was just a wonderful time together. Yeah, oh, wow, we got an amen here from Melanie. Good, okay, so maybe, maybe, that's, maybe that's what you're supposed to do. But my family growing up was all about, man, it's Sunday, Easter Lord's Day. You go out to eat. I mean, you figure it out. You know what I'm saying? You, you refinance your house. I don't know what you need to do. Sorry, Dave Ramsey, but you go out to eat on the Lord's Day. All that to say, that caused some disruption that day. And, and even that, that topic, our differences when it came to what to do on a Sunday for lunch, or more generally and more broadly, what to do with our finances and that kind of thing, caused some disruption. And I would like to ask you, have you found that your differences with other people often cause disruption in your life? Things that you just think are like, everybody gets this. This is the way that, and then they're looking at you like, no, it's not. That's not the way that it is. The, way, the thing I said, that's the way that it is. And then you're like, no, 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 no. The thing that I said before you said that, that's the way that it is. And, and all of a sudden we find ourselves oftentimes disrupted by differences in relationships. And um, I believe that God wants to speak to us and has something very powerful that he wants us to know. He knows that we're different he made us different, and he's got a plan to help us not just survive our differences, not just barely squeak through on a, on a wing and a prayer, but to actually be able to, to face our differences and the disruption that comes through those differences in relationships in our lives and even as the body of Christ, and to be able to make it through on the other side better for it, stronger for it, more like Jesus for it, and discovering our purpose along the way. Does that sound like something that God might want to do? I'm telling you what, I'm excited to share this with you. So, um, have you noticed this real quick? Um, disruptions, uh, because of differences, they can be more intense and we feel the sting more powerfully um, the more passionate we are about a topic. Have you found that to be true? I mean, if it's kind of like, eh, 
what shall we watch tonight? Oh, well, there's, you know, HGTV or there's, you know, whatever, you know. And it's like, well, I don't really care. Whatever you pick. So, you know, those can be a minor thing. But what if it's something that you care a lot about? Have you, you have one of those topics? For me, one is politics. And don't worry, I'm not going to disclose anything about, anything about which way I think or anything like that. But it's something I care deeply about. And if I'm in a conversation with someone, I'm going to get fired up about, you, you need to, oh, no, you didn't say that. The Word of God says this and this. Well, yeah, but the Word of God says this. Well, I know, but I don't know. I still feel this way. <laughs> I get fired up about it because it's something I care deeply about. And I think it's important the way our country, where we're going to be in 50 years, based on decisions we're making today. Maybe you care about something different. I know people that are, care about hors d'oeuvres at Super Bowl parties. And they're like, no, you are not just going to go pick up some chips and salsa at Chili's. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. You do that at your other party. Here you bring a hearty side dish to my party, right? So, I mean, we can be passionate about a lot of different things, but we feel that sting of that difference in the way we approach something. More, the more passionate we are about a subject. What about this? Is it, more, is it a stronger sting the closer to us the people are that we have the difference with? You know, because like we can expect difference like from other people that we barely know. Oh yeah, those people, yeah, they think that way, well, that doesn't matter. But what if, when it's our kid? What when it's our parent that is demanding that we get a college degree and we're like, I don't want to. I want to take a gap year. What if it's our kids that are planning an engagement or a wedding in a way that's different from what we would do? Ah, what if it's our spouse? And so all of a sudden it's like, oh, but 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 this is what you know, I need, and, and they're like, yeah, but wow, I see it differently. And all of a sudden, that can take us off guard, can it? I can be like, what? Like, in this inner circle of my heart, there's, there's that degree of difference? Ah, and I think sometimes we go, Lord, like, are you, God, I don't know. I don't know what to do with this difference. I don't know. This is disrupting. This is shaking the foundations. This is causing me sometimes maybe into fear a little bit or to go, I don't know how we get through that. I don't know how, if, if I can't force them to see it my way and they're not going to really force me to see it their way, and how do we get through this? And I believe that God says, hey, I've got a plan to meet you in your disruption, in your difference. So there's a story in Genesis chapter 16 about a woman who found herself in a very disrupted situation. And just, I'm going to summarize most of the chapter. Um, it, it, it's uh, in the life of Abraham before he was officially called Abraham. He was called Abram. But, um, and he lived with his wife, Sarah, who at that time was called Sarai. And God had given him a promise to give him descendants like the stars of the sky and the sand on the seashore. And so he was 75 when he got that promise. And nine years went by, 10 years went by. Nothing was happening. No baby was coming. And so his wife came to him one day with the idea, hey, I've got this servant uh, named Hagar. What if you take her as a wife? And maybe that's how God will answer our prayer and, and fulfill his promise in our lives. And it says that Abram listened to the voice of his wife. Now, normally, that's a good idea. <laughs> Amen, ladies? Normally, that's a good idea. Do I hear it? Ladies, normally that's a good idea. In this particular case, <laughs> I'll let you be the judge whether he should have or shouldn't have. But he did. He took Hagar as a wife. <coughs> Excuse me. Sure enough, she conceived, had a child, Ishmael. Well, after Ishmael came, she 
just naturally, I don't think she really had to try that hard, but just the pride of like being a mommy and having a baby and just the, the joy that comes with that when, you know, just made her maybe look at Sarai a certain way or whatever. Well, Sarai got tired, so she went to Abram. And she's like, oh, may the Lord pay you back for what you did here. And he's like, it was your idea, you know. And so they had this conversation. Long story short, he's like, well, do what you want with her. So it says Sarai was harsh. We don't know exactly what that means, but she treated her servant Hagar harshly to the point where Hagar fled. She was like, I'm out of here. And she took Ishmael, ran out into the wilderness. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like we find ourselves in those places out in the wilderness where we're kind of like on the outside looking in, where we don't belong, where we're not like everybody else, where we just feel different. We just feel like, I don't know, I don't understand. I, you know, I, I was trying to do the right thing. I was trying to be useful. I was trying to, to be part of God's plan. I was doing what I was asked. I was... You know, I was just trying to, to follow what, what was put before me. And yet, here I am. I've been rejected. I've been pushed out. What a difference, right? She felt so different, so alone. Maybe you're here feeling that way as we begin 2020 in the second month and just feeling like, man, I just feel lonely. I feel misunderstood. I feel uh, frustrated. I feel uncomfortable. I feel disrupted because I can't seem to, to be on the inside. I don't feel like I'm understood by those even closest to me in my life. But here is what happened when she was out in that place of loneliness in the wilderness. It says in verse 7, the angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. Are you thankful that God knows where we are and how to find us? It says the angel of the Lord, the presence of the Lord, found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. The Lord was assuring her, hey, I care about you. Hey, I've got a plan and a purpose for your life. I know things are messy. I know that you're confused. I know that you don't know what's going on and you're feeling judged and pushed out and misunderstood, but I know, I know what's going on in your life and I have a good purpose for you as well. The, it, you're descended so much that you'll be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. They told her, God hears you in this situation. Goes on to tell him a little bit more about the baby. And then in verse 13, it says this. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Beer Lahai Roy. It is still there between Kadesh and Bered. You are the God who sees me. I believe that Hagar had an encounter with God in that lonely place, in that wilderness place, that literally changed something in her heart and gave her courage and gave her confidence and gave her the peace that she needed 
and gave her the strength that she needed and the trust in the Lord to be able to go back to a very difficult situation and work it out in that situation. And I believe that God wants to do the same thing with us. As we feel disrupted by differences with those around us and, and, and struggling in relationships, I believe that God is saying, hey, if you will let me, I want to encounter you. I want to meet with you. I want, to, I want you to be in a place where you know I see you. And because you know I see you, you have strength. And you're able to lift your head. And you're able to put your shoulders back. And you're able to take a breath. <sighs> it's going to be okay. You see me, God. You know me. You know where I'm at. And something really powerful gets unlocked in our hearts when we know that God sees us. And, and I want to talk about that real quick. Is that cool? Yeah? Okay. Um, the first thing I believe that, that I want to talk about um, that gets unlocked in us when we know God sees us is that we rest secure in our place. We are secure in our place. When we're different than those around us, the first thing the enemy wants to do is lie to us and tell us we don't belong. Have you ever heard that lie from the enemy? You don't belong here. You don't belong in this family. You're different. Man, I've, I was in a conversation uh, around a family from our church where, where one of the sons has some different giftings and different personality than the rest of the kids and ended up moving out of state, trying to find himself, trying to, and the parents are praying and saying, God, you know, speak to our son. Let him know that he belongs. Let him know that we love him. That matters just as much as the rest of our kids. But that's what the enemy does. Tries to lie to us and say, because you're not like the person sitting next, because you're not like so-and-so at the ladies' Bible study, because you're not like so-and-so on the worship team, because your gifts aren't the same or, or your personality or, or your understanding, you don't belong. You don't have the same value. Have you ever heard the enemy lie to you that way? I'll tell you what, God wants to meet us there. And when we know that he sees us, truly sees us for who we are, who he's made us to be, I believe that he wants to dispel that lie. And I think that there's a couple of seasons that we go through in life where, um, where God might have us at one point, I put if we were vegetables, picture yourself as a vegetable, which vegetable would you be? Anyone? This is the interactive part of our service. Sorry, Dan. That's all I could think of. Which vegetable would you be? Anyone? Artichoke. Wow, you've got a soft heart. Ooh. Uh, that's just, that was free. Okay, somebody else? What vegetable would you be? Z wow, zucchini. I, have, I got nothing for you, Adrian, but thank you, Jesus. Okay, one more. What was that? A carrot. All right, good stuff. Good stuff. You look good on a snowman. Here's the thing, I believe that in our lives, sometimes if we were vegetables, we find ourselves in the garden, right? And in the garden, what do vegetables look like? There's nice rows. And what? They're all lumped by the certain kind of vegetable they are, right? So all the carrots are there together. And all those zucchinis are there, kind of, you know, curved over. The artichokes are there, kind of sitting there. Hey, what's up? You know. And they're all together. And so God might have you in a season where you're surrounded with people who are like you. And in that season, the enemy's lie to you is, I'm not needed here. There's a lot of people that are, have the same talents I have. Stuff's already getting done that I could do. 
Somebody needs to decorate? Well, that's what I do, but uh, somebody else does it as good or better. Oh, there's people that pray. Well, they've already got that ministry. Oh, I love to, oh, they're already doing alms, you know, and whatever it might be. And so the enemy is quick to go, you're not needed here because God's got us in a garden where we're growing alongside other people that are similar to us. And even that can be a source of, right, of being uh, disrupted in our life. What about this? What about when we're in the stew? And all of a sudden, God takes us from here in the garden, and he plops us in the stew with a bunch of other random vegetables that we've never seen before. Like, you're a very rounded carrot and green. I'm like, no, I'm an artichoke, you know, <laughs> whatever it might be. You know, well, you look silly. You look like, and all of a sudden, now we're in a different type of, we're with people that all of a sudden don't think like us, don't act like us, don't seem to have, I mean, they love Jesus maybe, but do you know what I mean? It's different. And I remember seasons in our life where God has put us in with people where you're sitting in a meeting and they're like, I just don't even know what to say. I, I, I feel like I'm in another planet. Like, I, I just don't even know how to contribute to this conversation because I'd be having a completely different conversation. Why are we focusing on this topic when we actually need to talk about this other thing first? And it can be confusing. And, like, and there the enemy's lie is, you don't fit. You're the oddball here. You don't belong in this stew. But here's the thing. Sometimes it's when God has us in that place of difference, that's when we're adding a unique flavor. That's when we're most needed sometimes. It's when we feel like contrarian. We feel like we're always the one disagreeing or the one bringing an alternate point of view. Sometimes God has you right in that place because he's like, hey, hang in there. I see you. You're bringing a unique flavor. You're bringing a unique spice. You're bringing a unique perspective right now. It might be some friction. It might be some disruption, but hang in there with me. When God sees us, we're secure in our place. 1 Corinthians 12, 18 says this, if you can pull it up. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, say every one. You're one, I'm one. Every one of us is parts of the body just as he wanted them to be. Who placed the parts in the body? God placed us. I think we live in a culture of choices, right? We have more choices over, I mean, goodness, if you can't even agree on what to eat on as a family, go to Park Meadows. There's a lovely food court. You can have Asian. You can, she can have a salad. You know, the young men can have like a cookie, a chocolate chip cookie. What's that river place? Wild River? Cool River? I don't, I don't know. They have the best chocolate chip cookies. Anyway, but you, know, you don't even have to agree on what to eat anymore. You don't agree on what to watch? Don't worry. Everybody's got their little device. You can be sitting there on the couch watching your own movie while the person next to you is watching. We don't have to agree on entertainment, on what to eat, on you know, pretty much anything anymore. But because of that, I believe that sometimes we lose perspective of the sight that God wants to place us somewhere. And, not, and sometimes that might be sticking in that place when we feel discomfort and disruption. Uh, the message version puts it this way. As it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. God wants, for somebody, somebody needs to hear that tonight. God has placed you in the body right where he wanted you. It's not just you chose or you selected out of a cafeteria. God has placed you. God has established you. God has planted you 
And when we understand that, we can begin to have courage and peace in the middle of the storm. Because we know, Lord, you've established me. You brought us here. God, you've planted me. And you see me right here where I am. And you're looking out for me. And that can be a source of strength. What about this? When we know that God sees us, we make room for others and their differences. Have you found out that even as part of the body of Christ, we can be more different than we thought? Isn't that weird? You would think like we all love the same Jesus, right? But one person's passionate about orphans in Peru. One's person is passionate about having an amazing volunteer appreciation event. One person's passionate about having the sound mixed just right. One person really cares about the service ending right on time. When another person's really passionate, oh God, give us a service with two hours of worship. <laughs> you know, I mean, right? Am I right? Right in this room, I think if we asked, what style, if I asked what preacher outside of, of Shad Church do you like the best, I bet we would have a broad, broad gamut. Some of you would be like, I like that guy that's like, God loves you. He wants to bless your life right now. And others would be like, oh, man, I feel the presence of God in this place. Oh, glory. You know, right? Others would be like, those guys, we went to a leadership conference, Catalyst, one time, and it was like Andy Stanley and Craig Rochelle. Literally like every word out of their mouth was like they'd researched 30 hours. To, you know, you're just like, slow down, professor. I mean, literally, like, thankfully they gave us little books, like little hand, you know, I was like, but like literally every little thing they said was like this rich leadership, like how to have a conflict, a difficult conversation with a coworker. You start by saying, things are not going well. And that just sets the tone. <laughs> I still remember, that really is the point they made. Start by saying things are not going. Don't skirt around the issue. Hit it head on, and then like, you know, then you get that conversation going. Michael, you know about that, right? Michael's a leader in the corporate world as well. But here's the thing. We all like different, different types of voices. We all are nourished maybe differently in different ways. We're all energized by different kinds of gifts, right? And so how... How do we deal with that? How do we deal with the fact that what energizes me might not be what energizes the person sitting next to me? And the gift within the body that God has intended to, to have us grow together and become more like Jesus, maybe what they really are enjoying, I'm kind of like, when is this going to be over? Oh, kind of like some of you are right now, you know, like 6.05. I hope he finishes early. Dan said we were going to be out of here by 6.15. <laughs> Here's what Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 says. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, 
Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, and this is a key part, this is a part of how this works together, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, say the whole body. Who does that include? All of us right here. The whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I hope you hear in that passage that God loves you and has a plan to build you up. Did you get that? God has thought about, how do I energize you? How do I inspire you? How do I challenge you to grow? How do I encourage you? How do I call forth the passion in your heart? How do I engage your mind and, and give you the skills that you need to follow me? How do I energize the gift of my Holy Spirit inside of you? How do I show you your part in my kingdom, in my story? God loves you and has thought of you. You have been on his mind. And it says there, so he gave different kinds of leaders, right? Apostles, those that were sent forth with extraordinary authority to go and, and establish new things, new churches, new ministries, maybe even new businesses, but to do something that wasn't there before by the power of the Holy Spirit. What about evangelists? Those that, man, just so excited about the good news. Do you like evangelists? I like evangelists because they're always like putting a positive. It's not a spin. It's, <laughs> I think the good news is, is good news, right? Jesus loves us. He cares about us. He's got a perfect plan for us. So it is good news. But, you know, evangelists just have a way of like encouraging us. Be like, woo, yeah, sign me up for that. I told Pastor Dan and Kim, we were at the, was able to hit the, uh, the rock conference on Thursday night, and a gentleman that just spoke was speaking on Jesus appearing to the disciples in the upper room after he ra was raised from the dead, and, and said, my peace upon you, and so he's like, Jesus declares his peace, and then his presence filled that room, and then his provision when he showed them his hands and his feet, and he had all these really cool P's, you know, matching, rhyming, rhyming sermon. I was like, whoo, thank you, Jesus. I love rhyming sermons. But also, it was just speaking to my heart. It was exactly what I needed to hear that night. God used it to speak to me very personally. Some stuff that I needed to hear from my identity. But God knows that about you. What giftings of apostles, evangelists, prophets, what about those that just have their antenna, right? To just hear what God is saying right now. I think it was last weekend or the weekend before that Abby shared something. And without even knowing it, it was a part of, I think it was last weekend, it was a part of Robin Amy's, it was literally a point of Robin Amy's message. And she didn't know, she hadn't read their notes. So God, the Holy Spirit, was, was imparting to her, her antenna was up, and she shared something during worship that then Robin Amy shared during their message. And God just has a supernatural ability to speak to us that way to energize us. Aren't you glad for that? But here's the thing, you know, then there's pastors and teachers, you know, sometimes it's the nuts and bolts of, of how to understand God's word or unlock the secrets of God's power in our life. Whatever it might be, right? The, the practical how-to. Some of us are energized by that. Man, just give me the three points. I don't need all the fluff. Just let me go out and do it. 
Maybe that's you. God knows that. That's beautiful too. God says, man, I put all these different, because those are just the leadership gifts. Obviously, then there's, you know, tongues and interpretation and prophecy and miracles and uh, healings and words of wisdom, words of knowledge, discernment of spirits, administration, governance, all kinds of cool gifts that God gave. But here's the funny thing, is oftentimes those gifts cause disruption in our lives. Because just because God established it and put it in us doesn't mean that there's not a process to us kind of learning to work through it together. Have you found that to be true? And I believe God wants us to know that a secret for giving grace to others, maybe if the person next to you is really receiving something special from God and you're kind of like, eh, that was just all right for me. But guess what? When I know God sees me, when I know God sees me, when I know God says, hey, I know, I know this is not the most exciting thing for you. I know right now that, you know, I'm ministering to some other people in the room, but I got you. I got you. I've got a podcast later that you're going to catch on Tuesday that's going to rock your socks off, and we're going to be shouting and have our hankies out, or whatever it might be. God has... He might have a song on the radio. He might have a conversation with someone. He knows how to speak to you, how to encourage you, how to lift you up. He's so faithful that way. But I think we need to keep our hearts open. Remember that he sees us, and that can give us grace to make room for each other. What about this? Um, Anybody ever been uncomfortable? You don't have to raise your hand for this. Anybody been stretched a little bit by the interactiveness of our messages here sometimes? Awkward laughter. Note awkward laughter in the room, Marcus. Type that in on the podcast. Here's the funny thing. In, in the church in Corinth, right, it was one of the churches that Paul had established. And in chapter 14, verse 26, it says this about how they did at least some of their services. Paul is writing to them. He says, what then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you has a hymn, a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so the church may be what? Built up. That's God's heart, is to equip us, to encourage, to build us up, to develop us, to look like Jesus. Everything must be done so the church must be uh, built up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at the most three should speak, one at a time, and someone must interpret. Oh, go back one. There we go. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is said. Listen to this part. This is kind of interesting. If a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop. For you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. Did you catch what it said there? Is that a culture of interruption? If, if a revelation comes to one who's sitting down, you, we would say, they need to keep quiet and let this person finish, right? Don't interrupt. Don't interrupt Pastor DJ. Priscilla's just thinking, he's brilliant. Don't interrupt him. Just talk to me later if that's not true. Don't have to argue about it right now. But here it seems to say in that church that they were like, if a revelation comes to one who's sitting down, the first person could be like, oh, okay, yeah, you got something? Go ahead, Patty, you know. What, what was God showing you? And all of a sudden, maybe somebody, or maybe it was amongst the elders. I don't know exactly how it worked. But it seems like there was some disruption in their services. Did you, do you get that? Did you get that out of that passage? Now, does it say every church for all time has to be that way? 
right? It doesn't say that. It says, hey, this is how they were doing it. Paul was giving practical advice to that church. But if you can pull up that last slide of that verse, notice the, the objective of it all is that so that everyone, all of us, can be instructed and encouraged. I believe God is saying, church, if you'll see how much I see you, how much I understand you, how much I know that I'm stretching you, you'll have grace to make room for those in the room with you. Maybe if I'm instructing them or encouraging them through a different aspect of this service, you'll be able to make room for that in your heart. Say, Lord, I'm so thankful. Man, this is the kind of thing that, this is the kind of song that so-and-so really gets into. You know charismatic music has four chords, three words, two hours? Craig's like, yes, he's a real musician. He's like, no, give me the augmented seventh plus, you know. But it's like, you know, a lot of the worship music kind of sounds similar and, and stuff like that. But people make fun of it. But hey, you know what? Some people are like, yes, in the front row, just waving like wheat in the wind. Don't let this ever end, you know. <laughs> the other person's like, Lord, let's get to the announcements. I'll, I'll even take announcements uh, or, <laughs> or an offering. I'll give money. <laughs> just let it end. I'm just saying God knows our differences, but he wants us to make room for each other, to push through that disruption, that discomfort, so that we can all, we care about each other. We're all encouraged and equipped. I believe that if we do that, one third key that I want to talk about that's unlocked in our hearts is that we um, give ourselves permission to grow. We give ourselves permission to grow. That was something that our literature, my literature professor in college, my freshman year or sophomore year, said that to us on day one. Because we were at a Bible college and literature wasn't cool. You couldn't really like, you know, it's not that class that we have to take to get the bachelor's degree, but like we really are far too spiritual to care about, you know, the seven rings of hell or the whatever, you know, Shakespeare, you know, this and that. And she just approached us and challenged us and said, guys, I'm just going to challenge you. Give yourself permission to grow. Give yourself permission to, to maybe explore something you have never cared about before. To maybe find some value in something that you never thought was cool. To, to try something you've never tried before. Give yourself permission to grow. I think God is calling to us as his body saying, if you truly want to become all that I want you to be, you're going to have to give yourself permission to grow. I'm going to stretch you. Right? There was a time when my wife and I were working out together. I was running back in four years ago, preparing to run a, a half marathon. She was training right alongside of me for the first, like, half block, you know. We were... <laughs> We were running together, and I was like, all right, I'm settling in for a 45-minute run or whatever, you know. And she was like, <gasps> okay, are we done now? I can't. I can't make it past this. Nobody can run more than this. <laughs> Sorry, baby. But in all honesty, now, in order to be able to sleep in my own bed tonight, I better come back with this. Mark Thompson, I don't know if any of you know Mark Thompson, he felt the same way about me because I was like, Oh, man, I've run for 23 whole minutes in a row. Mark Thompson runs the Leadville 100 mile. And he's done it several times. And that is 24 hours of running in a row. So, like, his level of what's possible is way different. First of all, I think he's part human, part 
I don't know, cheetah or something. Love you, Mark. Because I don't think it's normal to run 25 hours in a row or whatever it is several times in your life. But he's so in shape. So he's the first guy that challenged me when I was like, 23 whole minutes. I'm a rock star. And he was like, oh, no, we count running in hours, not in minutes. And I'm like, give yourself permission to grow. He took me on a run on Santa Fe, just south of 470, a little ways north of here. And that was the first time I ran for like an hour. And it was like, oh, my goodness. I didn't know this was possible. But it happens when we, I gave myself permission to grow. God is saying, hey, will you do that? Sometimes God says yes, and sometimes God says no. Have you found that to be true? Fancy names. Can I give you fancy names for it? Consolation is when he says yes. Desolation when he says no. So how many moms in the room? Any moms that have had kids recently in their kind of toddler years or maybe high chair years? We've got some grandmas, maybe grandpas in the room. Oh, yeah, I see that hand. Amen. Hallelujah. So here's the thing. You put that little baby in that, car, in that seat, not the car seat, but the, the high chair, right? And then you're like, here's your Cheerios or your applesauce, whatever. You need to eat that. And you're like, no, I want to go play. Well, I don't know. How they that's, that's a terrible, that's not how they talk. Anyway, you make it up in your own. But, you know, they're like, no. And you're like, they want to do their own thing. But you as a mom or a dad know better. And so you're like, no, you need to stay here until you finish your Cheerio or whatever, right? Am I on the right tracks, ladies? I don't, I've never been a mom, full disclosure. <laughs> but there's that aspect of sometimes having to say no in order for them to develop as a human to the type of person that can be successful in life, right? Sometimes God and others are like, Lord, uh, I hate this particular gifting just drives me nuts, right? Oh, someone's so organized. And I just, why can't we just get out there and do it? Oh my gosh, we don't need to plan everything. Or maybe you're the planner and you're like, ooh, there go the prophetic people again, grabbing the microphone. Ooh, I brought a guest with me. <laughs> why this weekend? You know, quick, tell them that there's free coffee in the coffee bar. You know, distract them. I'm just saying, God knows our discomfort. But we have to know that sometimes he might be like, we're like, Lord, can I move like to Alaska? And sometimes God might say, yes, yes, my child. I have a salmon boat waiting for you. You'll be an evangelist. You'll be a fisher of men and salmon. But sometimes God says no. Sometimes God says no. Stick it out here. Work through it. It's okay to be a little uncomfortable. I'm doing something in you. I'm saying no to you, not because I don't love you. I'm saying no to you, right, moms? No to you for a reason. Because I want you to develop self-control. Because I want you to, to learn to appreciate something other than candy or other than what you think is best for you. I'll tell you what, any of us who wants to achieve God's potential in our lives, we need to be comfortable with both consolation and desolation. We need to be comfortable and embrace when God says yes, and we're like, woohoo, sweet, thank you, Jesus. And when God says no. We sang a song, it's in the waiting. It's in the waiting. Take courage, my friend, hold on. It says this, take courage, my heart. Stay steadfast, my soul. He's in the waiting. He's in the waiting. Hold on to your hope as your triumph unfold. He's never failing, never failing. I just believe that God wants you to know he sees you. You know what? When I know that I'm seen, it gives me courage to persevere 
even in that desolation, even in being told no, even things being harder than I thought, running for an hour instead of 23 minutes and feeling that stretching and that discomfort of pushing through that wall, guess what? I begin to see walls fall because I know he's watching me. He feels my pain. He, he knows the discouragement or the, the fear, the anxious thoughts, but he's with me every step of the way. And I believe that God is going to stretch us as a church. Second Timothy chapter 1, you don't have to pull it up, but it talks about Paul encourages Timothy to think about a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. And what they have in common, and I believe it's becoming. The soldier is becoming more and more efficient as a defender of the cause that he's fighting for. The athlete, she's becoming more endurant, a better runner perhaps, stronger, faster, more able to sustain for the long haul. What about the, the farmer becoming patient, trusting the process? What he or she doesn't see is happening under the surface of the soil. But God is saying, I'm with you. I see you. I'm with you in the waiting. Will you hold on? Will you say, take courage, my heart? It's in the waiting. There's another woman that is similar to Hagar in that she was pushed out and rejected within her society in her time. It was 2,000 years after Hagar. But she was rejected and ostracized and mocked and pushed aside because she too was different. She suffered from impure spirits. Her name was Mary of Magdala. And I believe that in the same way that God met Hagar 2,000 years before in that wilderness, in the midst of her discomfort, in the midst of her loneliness, in the midst of her cries saying, does anybody see me? I'm in discomfort. I'm, I'm in, uh, my life has been disrupted right now. I don't know what is going to happen next. And God met her there and said, I see you. I'm with you. It's going to be okay. God also met this woman through the person of Jesus Christ. And I don't know if you've heard of The Chosen yet. It's an app application online that you can uh, watch eight episodes about the first year of the ministry of Jesus. And, uh, you know, they, they really build the stories and obviously include some things that might not strictly be in the Bible, but that are so powerful where you truly begin to understand the characters. My wife and I watched it. And so I wanted to close by just showing you a little clip of Jesus encountering Mary of Magdala and how her life was changed when she knew Jesus really saw her. If you can play it. So, did it work? I'm sorry, Lilith. Elias? What? We should talk, huh? Leave me alone. 
Oh, what, huh? He's going to scratch me too. Come on, not now. So see. Not now. She smells anyway. I don't know what else I can do to help you. Give me that. Lots of it. That's not going to solve your problems. It's meant to distract from no them. No more preaching. Just give it to me. Lilith, please listen to what I'm Says the Lord who created you, and he who formed you. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You. designed us in our mother's womb. You know the things that make us tick and the things that call to us. You know the things that scare us. You know the things that frustrate us. And Lord, like you did with Mary, like you did with Hagar, you call out to us and speak your goodness and your promise and your purpose to us and call us towards you. God, I pray that our hearts would be open to you. I pray that, Lord, because of that, we would have hearts that are open to each other to be patient, to make room. Lord, to truly experience what it means to be family, 
to wait upon one another, to work through our discomfort and our differences, Lord, to see you do something so powerful and so unique in our midst. God, that your glory would shine to people in this city, that people that don't even know you would be drawn to you because of your love among us. God, bless your people. I pray you'd encourage each and every one. Fill us, God, with your hope, with your spirit, with your expectation, your peace, and your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen.